This first song that we sing this morning is uh, a song we haven't uh, sang here at uh, Crossbridge, um, but it is an older song, um, and Psalms 84 is the scripture that um, this song refers to, and in verses uh, 1 and 2, and then 4 and 10 is what we'll be reading this morning. Psalms 84. It says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My song, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. And then verse 4 Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. And verse 10 For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. 
I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Oh
All right, good morning, guys. Um, we have a good-looking congregation this morning. I just don't know why everybody has red on today. It's like, what's going on? I mean, we're, so we're preaching about love today and, and Christ's love towards us and brotherly love and loving one another is probably going to be next week. And about two years ago, this church got me a, uh, a Chiefs jersey. And I'm a huge Broncos fan, but you guys got me this Chiefs jersey. And I almost wore it today just out of brotherly love. But guys, I'm still growing in my sanctification too, and I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. I know you guys are excited today, and we're excited to watch Tom Brady throw about seven touchdowns tonight, aren't we, son? Yeah, that's probably not going to happen. But I'm glad you guys are here today. Uh, we're going to have our welcoming time. I've had a cold the last couple of days, so I'm not going to come around today. So just know I'm glad you're here this morning, and I love you. Uh, so let's just go to the Lord in prayer before you guys welcome one another. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, today. Uh, that we're here, Lord, to worship you, Lord, and to honor your name, Lord, and to, uh, to enjoy our kids today uh, as Family Sunday and to take communion, Lord, and talk about the great love that you showed us, uh, Lord, and what you expect out of us loving one another. And so, Lord, we just um, we want to honor you today. We, I'm thankful to be here today, Lord. It's cold outside, but I'm thankful that it's warm in here, Lord, and you're with us. And uh, Lord, I'm thankful that we, we can come and worship you and we have a building uh, to worship you that we're warm in, that millions of Christians across the world, Lord, just don't have that. And so I'm, I'm very thankful, Lord, uh, today. Uh, just be with us. We love you. We want to honor you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Take a couple minutes this morning and welcome everybody.
Amen. All right, you may be seated this morning. All my kids, Family Sunday, all the kiddos, come on up here. Don't be shy. Don't be scared. All the kiddos, come on up. Huh? No, I'll read it right now. All right. Today's Family Sunday, so I love this time where I get to talk to you kiddos, and it's so important, uh, and we take communion today, and you guys get to worship with us and all this fun stuff. So here's the scripture. I'm going to go ahead and read the scripture to you guys that I'm going to be reading uh, later on, and here's where it's found. It's John 15, 12 through 17. John 15, 12 through 17, it says this, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. All that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you. Yeah, you go do what you need to do, okay, buddy? These things I command you so that you will love one another. So Jesus gives uh, his disciples this commandment. And what is the commandment? To love one another. Love one another. Now, you guys hear us use the term brother and sister a lot. Now, some of you have siblings up here uh, today. You three, I don't know where Sydney's at. I think she's in nursery. Then we got some other siblings next to one another. Uh, so you call who is your brother and sister? Who's your sister? Sydney, okay. 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 Who else though? There you go. Your brothers and sisters in Christ. So I, some, if, you're, if you have professed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you are my brother or sister in Christ. And so Jesus is saying here, he's really establishing this commandment that we're supposed to love one another. Now, how often uh, do you guys love, let's be honest this morning, how often do you love your siblings? It's iffy sometimes, right? I know, I had a sister that I loved to aggravate, right? But so... Really? Okay. All right. So all of us, we're supposed to love our siblings, which is hard to do, and we should do, right? But Jesus here is establishing a commandment for the church, and that commandment is that we're supposed to love one another, that we are supposed to, the, the church should be known by loving one another. Now, so my question is, and we're going to get a mic here, what is a way that you can show someone love? What's a way that you can show someone love? Um, Let's make it even more specific. How can you show your brother or sister love? So you can, like, give them a shape of a heart. Give them a shape of a heart. Good. Pray with them. To pray with them. Good. Give them a hug. Give them a hug. Be nice to them. Be nice to them. Okay. Let, let them come over to your house. Okay. 
That's a good thing, yeah. Do good things to them. Do what? Do, do good things to them? Okay. Be nice to your brother and sister and treat them the way you want to be treated. Perfect. Treat them the way you want to be treated. That's I right. Like, I like asking. Okay. Um, be nice to them and be kind. Be kind. Okay. Those are all perfect examples of how we should... Yes, that's right. All perfect examples of how we should be kind and love one another. And so here's the thing. Why, why is Jesus telling the church this? Because the outside world should look at us as examples for how we love one another. So kids at school, kids that you go to church with, people from the outside should look at us and how we treat one another and say, wow, they really love one another. They care for one another. Now, where do we get this kind of love demonstrated? And what I'm going to be talking about today is how we love people. We, we have an example to follow. And who's that example? Christ. How did he show us? Anybody know how he showed his love for us? The ultimate example of how he showed his love for us. He showed his love for us the way he cared for us and the way he gave food and water to us so we could live. Okay. How else did God show the ultimate example of how he showed his love? Dying on the cross for us. That's right. Absolutely. So we have an example that he gave the ultimate sacrifice for us. So here's, here's the challenge this week for you guys, okay? Show your parents and your brothers and sisters at home and your brothers and sisters here how much you love the Lord by how much you love them and how much you care for them, okay? Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, this morning for these kids, Lord. We're so blessed uh, here to have these young people, Lord, that are in our care, and Lord, you've blessed us uh, with them. And so, Lord, I pray for them that, that they will leave here today, Lord, and show the perfect love that you showed, Lord, to us that they will be an example to others how they treat one another. Uh, and, Lord, that all comes from you. And, Lord, we just love you and we thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you this morning, kiddos. No embarrassing answers. Your parents got off good. Good job. Good job. Good job. All right, so it is Family Sunday today. So we, have, uh, we will take communion. Let me go over just a couple of announcements real quick. Uh, we do still have life recovery on Friday nights. Life recovery is at 7 o'clock on Friday evenings. We have a meal, uh, and, and then there's a 12-step recovery pro program based on the gospel, uh, based on scripture. Uh, uh, signatures are available. If, if you know of someone who has to have a, a, attend a class, a mandatory uh, in a class every week. The court system does accept our signatures on Friday night and on Saturday night uh, with the freeway service. Uh, men's Bible study tonight. There is no men's Bible study tonight. Is that correct, Denny? Max? Yes. No men's Bible study tonight. Um, guys will have the night off. Tonight at our house, we have tons of food for the young adults. Young adults, college age, seniors in high school. Super Bowl party at our house starting at 5 o'clock. Um, and I don't know, Selena, any other announcement? What, they don't need to bring anything, their favorite snack if they want to. Our house is mounded up on our kitchen counter of food. So even if you don't bring food, I think, I think you'll find something to eat. So come to that tonight. If you need directions to our house, let us know. This afternoon, this is important. Uh, Josh is going to be teaching this this afternoon. <coughs> Excuse me. At 3 o'clock 
at the association office. We have evangelism training. So if you're planning on going on one of our mission trips, we have two mission trips planned. One in June to Charleston, uh, Missouri, and then another one in September to Rapid City, South Dakota, uh, to go see Mike and Kim and work at the reservation up there and around Rapid City. Both of those times, I've went to Charleston. I haven't went to Rapid City, obviously, yet, but there is major opportunity to share the gospel with somebody, okay? I want to tell you about this week, just very vaguely, just how important this is. Uh, this week, it, it came to my understanding that there was a family in our community that needed help. Um, they needed a hot water. Their hot water heater wasn't working. Their stove wasn't working. They had an electrical problem. So I sent a message out to all of our deacons and elders, and Joel and myself and Mike Simons went to their house uh, on Tuesday afternoon. While we were there, Joel was looking at the uh, breaker box. We found the problem. It wasn't a major problem. But I shared the gospel with, with these three adults. Um, there was the couple and his brother was there. And I shared the gospel with them. Mike Simons uh, gave him his personal testimony, a freeway, and uh, what he had came through and what Christ had saved him from. I prayed with them. Uh, when we left, as we left, they kind of went into the living room and talked about what we had talked about. Two hours later, thank you, young man. Do I need to sign this for you? No? Okay. Um, two hours later, I love kids. Two hours later, the brother uh, who, who we had uh, met with leaves the house and is killed in a car accident on the way to Springfield two hours after we shared the gospel with them. That's why it's important to take the opportunity to share the gospel with people, uh, to, to use personal evangelism, not just get to know them as a friend, but to share the gospel. And so a lot of people are really scared and nervous about doing that, or they think, I just don't know what to say. I'm not going to have the right words. Come. There's an easy format on how to do that. Uh, it's going to start at 3 o'clock this afternoon at the association office. It's extremely important. Men's prayer breakfast, February 20th at Grillo's. And business meeting Sunday, February 21st, after the morning service. We also have an announcement from Casey about choices. So you want to just talk about that one? Uh, good morning. So we have been, the women's ministry, we've been gathering baby essentials. Choices is doing a baby shower um, this month, and we wanted to contribute as much as we possibly could to that. So this is like a last call. We've got a nice pile going out there. If you want to drop things off between now and Wednesday, the little opening on this end of the building stays unlocked. You can set things inside there um, anytime, you know, through the week or bring them Wednesday night. And I would like to make our pile really big for them and um, just help meet that need. So thank you. All right. Any other announcements this morning that I forgot? I missed. Okay, if you would stand this morning, we're going to take up our morning offering, have a worship song, and then we'll get into our sermon today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer uh, today. One thing, if you notice, we have the kids take up uh, the morning offering. We want them to be involved in our worship services. I know Landon is going to be reading our scripture for us this morning. Um, it's an exciting time. I love seeing our kids get involved and, and do that. So let's pray, Lord, this, this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you uh, again that we're here today, Lord. And just bless this offering, Lord, as we give back to you. Use it to further your kingdom, God. I, I thank you for our children again today, Lord, this morning. And, uh, Lord, I pray for the families that have had a rough week, uh, the situations that we've dealt with and tried to minister to people, Lord, and um, that have lost loved ones, Lord. And, 
it's just a, it's, it's a wake-up call uh, for us on, on how urgent it is that we shed, share the gospel with those uh, in our community, Lord, and those that we come in contact with. And so, God, I, I pray for the class that Josh is going to teach this afternoon, Lord, that um, people will want to go to that and learn and, Lord, use it. And uh, just bless our services today, God. We, just, we love you. We thank you for, for showing the ultimate amount of love towards us as we talk about that today. It's in your name I pray. Amen.
job. All right, if you would please remain standing. We're going to honor God's word this morning. Landon's going to come and read our scripture. It's going to be John 15 verses 12 through 17. John 15 verses 12 through 17. This is my command. One, one, love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do not what I command you. I do not call you servants anymore because I, because a servant doesn't know what his matter is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit that your fruit should remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. This is what I command you, love one another. Thank you, buddy. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, again this morning, uh, Lord, we're here and we love you. And Lord, we're, we're only able to love you because you first loved us. And Lord, there's so many uh, lessons here in this scripture today, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit will open our minds and our hearts, Lord, today uh, to receive your word. And uh, Lord, convict us where we need to be convicted, God, and encourage us where we need to be encouraged, Lord, and just work in our lives and everyone here, including myself, Lord. We love you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Okay, so we've been, uh, I'm going to continue going through John here, and these are our next set of verses, and I think they're just fitting for uh, today. Last week we talked about, if you weren't here, we talked about abiding in Christ. And abiding in Christ means to have, it means to be in Christ, it means you have a personal relationship uh, with Jesus. We also saw uh, that apart from Jesus, we can't do anything. That it's meaningless. Life is pointless. It's meaningless apart from Jesus. Apart from him, it just doesn't mean anything. And we live in a society 
that a vast majority, an overwhelming majority of people walk around with absolutely no hope. No hope at all. They have no future. They're just, they're te- their happiness is just temporary. It comes from stuff that they can collect in their lives. or They're constantly on a roller coaster. Their happiness is dictated by the stuff around them and the stuff that they can put in their life. Their happiness, their joy does not come from having a personal relationship with Christ. And we talked about that real joy in Jesus comes from him and having a relationship with him. So last week in verse 10, Jesus said this, If you keep my commandments... You will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So this week, we see what one of those commandments is. And it was in verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. In verse 17, these things I command you, so that you will love one another. So this isn't the first time, though, as we've worked through the book of John, that we've seen Jesus tell us to love one another. This is actually multiple times he says this. If, if you go back a couple of chapters, in chapter 13, in verses 35, uh, 4 through 35, he says this, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So what is Jesus doing? This is a serious command. He mentions it multiple times. This is something serious. So Jesus directly ties in our love for each other, our love for one another as being a characteristic of being one of his followers. He directly ties that in. The one another. So I want to make sure we get the context right here. Because who is the one another here? That's fellow believers. Now what I'm not telling you is, well... Great, so that means I can hate everyone else and only love my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. No, because we clearly see in Scripture that Jesus commands us to pray for our enemies, to love our enemies, to pray for them, to do good to them, so that what will happen to them? So that they can be saved, right? So it doesn't give us a pass to hate everyone. But what what it also doesn't do is a lot of people today, and a lot of churches today, well, they'll say, Basically, these words, we just need to love everyone. If we just love everyone, it'll take care of itself. Now, you got to read between the lines on what they mean. When somebody says you just need to love everybody, what they're telling you is you just need to accept them for who they are. And that's not what Jesus did in Scripture. Every person that Jesus encountered in Scripture, he shared the truth with them, and then he would tell them, go and sin no more. So if you really love someone, if you really love, I'm going to use a drastic example here for the sake of of argument and, and for understanding. If there was someone that was a serial killer, he just loved to kill people. There are serial killers in the world, but if there was one, we would not in good conscience walk up to him and say, hey, I, I know you love doing that and living in your life. We're just going to love you right where you are right now, and you're going to be my brother in Christ, and I'm just going to love you. Would any of us do that? No. We would tell him, stop murdering. Stop killing. Turn from your sin and put your faith and trust in Christ so you can be forgiven and he can change you. That's what we would share. Now, sharing that kind of a message would be sharing him what? Teaching him what? True love. 
I would really be loving the person. Let me use another example of this. Would it be loving of me if your house was on fire? Your, your house is burning down, and I know you and your kids are in that house. Would it be loving of me to sit back in my recliner and watch it burn or to go over to knock on the door real softly? Well, they didn't hear me. I'm just going to go back home. That wouldn't be loving to let you burn inside your house, would it? What would I do? What would be loving is for me to bust open the door screaming, your house is on fire. You're going to die in this fire. Get out while you can. I would be showing you love because I would share, I would have concern for you. That should be our approach to lost people. We should love them so much that we should tell them the truth about the gospel. That why they are separated from God is because of sin. Now we have, we don't do that by standing on the street corner screaming, you're all destined for hell. You're all, no, you don't do that. But you share the truth with them. You share the truth with them. That is loving someone. John reminds us even more of this, uh, of this passage that we're supposed to love one another. In 1 John 4.21, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has not seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So in a practical sense, What's Jesus commanding us here? We as the body of Christ here at Crossbridge, if we don't love each other, if you don't love your brothers and sisters, you are fooling yourself if you think you're a true follower of Christ. Your love for each other comes from loving Christ. So in giving this command, what is Jesus doing here? He, he's doing something amazing. He's creating a group of people that are identified by one thing, love. They're identified by one thing. Now, there's many groups in this world, and, and people love to join groups, and they identify themselves in all sorts of ways. Well, for one, there's uniforms. I mean, in the military, the Marines have a certain uniform. They have what they call dress blues. The Army, if you're in the Army, you have dress greens. Brian's not with us this morning, but I was going to pick on him. Uh, he's, he's our active duty Coast Guardsman. They have a dress uniform. So they're, a, they're identified by that group of people by what they wear, by what they have on. On Facebook, there's tons of different groups on Facebook. There's fishing clubs. There's deer hunting clubs. There's gun clubs. I mean, there's pretty much, if you want to join a group of people, there's a club for pretty much everything or any kind of page on Facebook that has somebody that likes things that you like. We also identify ourselves a lot of times by what schools we attended. Mizzou, right? How many Mizzou, any Mizzou graduates or anybody went to Mizzou here? No Missouri Tigers. I know Missouri State. We got one Missouri State, I know. Any other Missouri State? Okay, there, there we go, <laughs> Missouri State. Max K-State, right? K-State Wildcats. Then we can get to high school. The Marshfield Blue Jays, we're all gonna, yeah, for Marshfield, right? Then we got the Rogersville Wildcats. We like to call them the kittens. They're the kittens uh, in Rogersville. 
But so you're, you're, you're joined, you're known by these certain groups, right? Some groups have, you know, there's piercings and tattoos. Then you have PETA who doesn't eat meat. You know, they have groups like that. There's groups over skin color. But the church is so different. Jesus forms a group of people that are identified by love. That means native language doesn't matter. There's no rules about uniforms or schools skin color, none of that. It's all based upon love. It's not what country you came from or where you live. And we see a picture of this. We see a picture of this in the early church. So Acts chapter 2, turn to Acts chapter 2 this morning. I know Josh has been teaching through this on Wednesday nights. It's been really good. (coughs) Excuse me. Hunter, would you go give me a bottle of water, buddy? Thank you. Acts chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 42 through 47. But before that, Acts chapter 2 tells us that there are people from all over the world that come together because of Jesus. They come together because of Jesus, and this is what they do. They basically, they start loving one another. They started to help one another. So turn to Acts chapter 2, and let's look at 42 through 47. And it says this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, Attending the temple together and breaking the bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. What was that? Thanks, buddy. That's love in action. That was love in action. They came together. They're devoted to the teaching of the word. They're devoted to prayer. They're devoted to fellowship with one another, a breaking of bread, communion, eating with one another. They're they're devoted to those things. They sold their possessions and helped one another out, which I don't don't encourage us to do that today, but help one another out. If you can help somebody out, help them out, right? Don't sell everything you got and give it all away. I mean, you can if you want to, I guess, but uh, basically uh, it's a practical sense. There's love in action here. No, no, so how's this? How's this relate here? Two weeks ago, let me say I saw that same kind of love here. I saw that same kind of love. It was demonstrated right here at Crossbridge. Mike and Kim and Parker were heading off on this mission from the Lord. They're heading off. And I want to share something to you, share something with you that their pastor said to me, Kenneth. The gentleman who spoke that Sunday. He came and spoke. And this is what he said. After we prayed with Mike and Kim that evening, he said, Jeff, I wasn't for sure how this was going to go. He thought we may be upset with them. Really angry for taking Mike and Kim. But with tears in his eyes, he said, it's just been amazing today. You know what you guys did? You bought $200 apple pies. $200 plates of chocolate-covered strawberries, and you sent Mike and Kim to South Dakota with $7,500 to get them started. That's love in action. That's love in action. And now, Now, you know how I know that Mike knew this was love? 
He sent me a text message this week. And I told him I was going to read it to you, and this is what he said. He said, I miss and love you, Jeff. After we got here and got unloaded, it was the first time in a month I had actual time to think, and doubts were rushing in. I looked at Kim and said, what have we done? I can't believe I just moved us across the United States and left the people we love. I cried as I am crying now texting this. I'm scared, nervous, and not sure what I'm supposed to be doing. But for whatever reason, I know I need to be here. I love you, Jeff. And I responded and said, Mike, you goofball, why did you leave? <laughs> no, I didn't. I wanted to, but I, I texted him back and I encouraged him. And I told him he, need, he was right where he was supposed to be and to stay focused on the goal and that I loved him. And my personality sometimes is not one of giving attaboys. Most of the time I'm doing this, like, come on, guys, let's go, right? But you guys deserve an attaboy for that. You really do. Because of how much you showed that family that you loved them and what they meant to you. That's what it's about. That's exactly what this text is about. Now back to our, back to our original text. We'll go deeper here. In John 15, 12, Jesus says, This is my commandment that I that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, how in the world do we do that? Well, before we can love each other like Christ, we, we, we have to start where how he loved us. And that's where, so there's two parts to this sermon. This week, I want to look at, that was just the intro. This week, I want to look at how Jesus loved us. How did Jesus love us? So here's the first thing. Jesus loved us unconditionally. He didn't put any conditions upon it. Romans 5.8 says, But God shows us his love that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The amazing thing about having a relationship with the God of the universe is he doesn't require you to get all cleaned up before you come to him. Before he saves you, he doesn't say, Well, you need to get all cleaned up. You know, summer... I say summer's about here, but this weekend going to feel like summer or spring. Uh, it's going to get really cold. But in, in summertime, my kids, especially Hunter, he's outside. Well, all of them are, but primarily Hunter. He gets nasty, dirty in the summertime. I didn't tell him I was going to say this, but he does. He gets out near that pond. We have a pond, and he's in the pond and out of the pond and just filthy, dirty, just about every every day. And he comes into the, in, into the house at the end of the day and what does his mama say before you come inside before you sit down on the furniture what does she tell him to do go get in the bathtub and clean yourself up right you know what Jesus doesn't do that with us he doesn't do that he comes outside while we're in the mud of sin and he picks us up he carries us to the cross where he died and we are made white as snow. We're made new. Today, I want to talk to you right now. If you're watching online or if you're here this morning, if you are sitting in the mud of sin, if you're wallowing in it right now, you have things in your life that you know are against God and his word, how you're living your life right now, God doesn't ask you that you clean yourself up first. He says, believe in me. Trust in me. Jesus wants to have a personal relationship with you today, right where you are. 
And that relationship will change you forever. That's exactly what me and Mike Simons and Joel shared this week at that house. Exact same message. He loves, Jesus loves us unconditionally. Second thing, he loves us sacrificially. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus, even though he was perfect, sinless, he was good. He was good. He was, he was perfect. He was sinless. He was the biblical definition of good. I say this all the time, and Josh is going to be teaching on this at the association office, but what is the biblical definition of good? Morally perfect in thought, word, and deed. So even though Jesus had lived a perfect, sinless life, he was willing to take on our sin. He was willing to take our sin so that we could stand before God in heaven justified. So literally, like, I know I've explained this before, but I'm going to again. A legal transaction happens when somebody believes in Christ. We have two bank accounts. Just like if I, my, my, my oldest daughters, I'm gonna pick on them this morning. They love when dad transfers money into their checking account, don't you? It's Savannah. Savannah, where are them nails at? Savannah went and got her nails. No, hold them up, honey. Yeah, I'm gonna embarrass you. Savannah went and got her nails done this week. And you know what? This is how it usually works when they want something from dad. Dad, I love you so much. And I say, what do you want, Savannah? Well, I'm going to get my nails done. And even though I've worked and I have money in my account, can you put some money in my account for my nails? And I have a bank app that I can transfer money into their accounts and I can see how much money in their account. I can see how much what they've been spending their money on. I know all that, right? So I transferred some money into her account. And when I did that, because I'm just a sweet, loving dad, aren't I? When I did that... <laughs> A legal transaction happens. There's a transaction number that goes with that, right? Because a legal transaction happened. If I ever saw them transfer money out of my account into theirs, it'd be an illegal transaction. <laughs> but I, I, when I transferred that money, there's a transaction number, right? And it's associated with that transaction. And my bank account got smaller and hers got larger, right? When you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for your sins, that he rose again and defeated death, a legal transaction happens. In his bank account, he gets your sin. Your sin that you've done from day one to, for all eternity until you die on this earth is put into his account. And guess what gets put into your account? His perfect righteousness. So that when you stand before God, God, God sees your bank account. What does he see? He sees Jesus. And he says, you can come in. Because your sin's been paid for by his perfect righteousness. And you know what the transaction number is? This is a great part. It's your name being wrote in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's amazing. That's sacrificial love. That's sacrificial love. Back to our text. John 15, 13 through 15. Jesus says this in our text. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends 
If you do what I command you, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I call you friends. For all I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus laid down his life for his friends. It was the perfect picture of love for his friends, for the church, for you, brothers and sisters. If you're lost this morning and you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you can receive that perfect righteousness into your account. You just have to believe. So Jesus' love is what? Sacrificial. He doesn't cause, he didn't, he didn't tell you to get cleaned up beforehand, and it's sacrificial. The third thing, Jesus loved with complete forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32, Paul says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Remember, that was a verse that we read as a benediction for quite a while, if you remember right. And we should have that verse on our hearts. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as Christ forgave you. When you get angry with somebody... We'll talk about this more next week. You get angry at somebody. You're mad at somebody. You know the easiest way to take a step off of that pedestal and knock yourself down a little bit is to remember all that God forgave you from. And when you remember all that God forgave you from, you know what it makes it easier to do? Forgive that person. Because they haven't done anything to you that you haven't done to God. And so you remember that. When Jesus forgives us, it's a perfect kind of forgiveness. Our sins are not brought up anymore. They're not brought up anymore. Turn to Psalms 103. Turn to Psalms 103. I'll read verses 10 through 13. Psalms 103, 10 through 13. Amazing set of verses here. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. That's an unconditional Forgiving love. A perfect love. Now here's what Satan wants to do. This is how Satan wants to get you down. Satan wants to remind you of what God's forgiven you from in a bad way. He wants you to think back on your sin and be paralyzed by that sin. When God says he removes your sin, he removes it. When he cleans your bank account out, it's done. There's nothing left, and he puts in his righteousness. Satan wants to say, hey, how in the world do you think you can serve the Lord with what you have done in your life? How do you think you could ever preach a sermon, Jeff, by what you've done in your life and the horrible things you've said and, and the things that you've done in thought, word, and deed? There's no way you can do that. Well, I can't on my own, but because of Christ's righteousness, you can He's going to tell you, you can't share the gospel with somebody. You can't share the gospel with them. You don't know enough. What if they ask you a tough question? He's going to scare you. 
it would have been real easy. I'm going to be honest with you. It would have been real easy for Joel and me and Mike Simons to walk into that house and say, hey, we're here to look at your electrical problem and to look at it and leave and not say another word. That would have been the easy route. It would have been. Because Satan wants to make sharing the gospel hard. But when you do that, when you start sharing the gospel with people and you start telling them the truth of God's forgiveness and his love, you know what? You have joy. You're excited by doing it. God, when God forgives, he forgives. Some, some people, even after they're believers, the creator of the universe has forgiven them, but they won't forgive themselves. And it hampers them their whole life. What's the, kids, what's the song from, what's that movie where everything turns into ice? What is that? What, Frozen. What's the song from Frozen? Let it go. Perfect. Thank you, kids. Let it go. Let your sin go. You know what? Because God let it go. Now, that may be a horrible analogy using frozen there, and that wasn't in my notes, but it's the truth. God let it go, so you need to let it go. Fourth thing, last thing, his love, his love's eternal. It's eternal. His love is not going anywhere. Nothing can change it. One of my favorite set of verses in all the scriptures, Romans 8, 38 and 39. Paul says this about your salvation. The context of Romans 8, 9, 10, 11, it's all salvation. It's salvation. So the context here is salvation. For I am sure that neither death nor life Angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing can separate us from his love. His love doesn't change by our actions. God will never love you more or less, brothers and sisters, than he does right now. Now, will he discipline you when you need to be disciplined? Yes, he certainly will. Yes, he will. He will. Because he loves us. Because he loves us. But his love is not going to change. He's not going to pull his love out or take his love away or love you more or less. The culmination of this amazing love that Christ displays for us is shown on the cross. On his cross. On the burial and his resurrection. That's the ultimate display of his love. 1 John 4, 9 through 10 says this. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world, that we might live through him. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. That he loved us and it's made manifest by his death on the cross. We're going to close today real quick. We're going to close. We're going to be taking communion here, a minute, here, in, here in just a minute. Next week we're going to talk about how we're supposed to love one another. But before, but listen, before you can love your brother or sister in Christ, you have to have experienced the love of God to you. Before you can start to love someone perfectly, and we're never going to do it perfect because we're sinners. 
But before you can love someone the way Christ commands his followers to love, you have to have have an understanding, a knowledge of the love that God gave for you. You have to be, you have to have salvation in him. So my question this morning, before we take communion, I don't, it's important that you become a member of a local body of believers, but that's not salvation. It's important, I think, that you have your family in church. It's important that you teach your kids the things of God. But none of those things if I was to ask you if you have a personal relationship with Christ, don't, don't give that kind of an answer. A personal relationship with Christ is that you have believed in what Jesus did for you on the cross. That you have professed him with your mouth. You've believed in your heart. Not that you've been a member of this church. Not that you've taught a Sunday school class. Not that grandpa and grandma were faithful members of whatever church. Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you done that? Before we take communion today, it's going to be a time that we do look back on the love that Jesus showed for us. And it's going to be a time that we can look forward to spending all eternity with Jesus in heaven. But have you believed on Christ? Have you believed in him? Only you can answer that. Only you can answer that. Uh, before we pray and have an invitation, though, I do want to read you a passage of Scripture that I think is extremely important before we do take communion. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It's a warning that Paul gives, and it says, Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup, this is why many of you have weak, many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. It's a warning to not take communion. If you have unconfessed, unrepentant sin in your life, it's also a warning not to take communion if you're not a follower of Christ. There's no amount of love that I can talk about today than, than what was displayed on the cross by what Christ did for us. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. We're going to have an invitation. This is why we have invitations. Let me tell you why we have invitations real quick while they're coming. It's for you to be obedient to Christ. With sin in your life, it's to pray for people, and it's your opportunity to publicly profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. When someone professed Christ in Scripture, they were, there was a threat of death. They were, they, they were beaten a lot of times they were kicked out of their own families. It meant something to profess Christ as their Savior. So it's your opportunity to publicly come and pray and profess Christ as your Savior. If you need to do that today before we take communion, I urge you to do that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, today for who you are. I thank you for the perfect love that you showed us on the cross. That you were willing to come and die. Put our sins upon yourself. You didn't deserve them. We deserve to be on the cross, not you. But you did it because you loved us and you cared for us. Lord, there's no amount of thanks or worship that we can give you today that's worthy enough. Lord, we love you. We thank you for doing that for us. Lord, I prayed this morning. I know there's people probably 
going to hear this message today, whether online or here today, that are lost, Lord. I pray. I pray for them. I pray that your Holy Spirit will burden them, that they will see they have a great need in their life, and it's for a Savior. That, Lord, I believe life's fragile. I saw that again this week. Two hours after we had shared the good news with somebody, they were standing before you. I believe that could be any of us today. Lord, I pray today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. I pray if there's people here that need you, they won't walk out these doors today without professing you as their Lord and Savior, believing, and you'll change their life. Lord, we love you. Forgive us of our sins as we remember your sacrifice today, Lord, the great love. Let us honor you to the best of our ability today. It's in your name I pray. Amen.
Let's sing verse 4 again. No guilt in mind. ask you to be seated this morning, please. If our elders would come today, once again, um, I want to say this before we take communion uh, today. We don't require you to be a member here at this church. We have what we call an open communion. So uh, you do not have to be a member here at Crossbridge, just that you have made a public profession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Uh, we also like to do communion on Family Sunday because it's an opportunity for uh, you parents and grandparents to talk to your children and grandchildren about what this is and why it's important. Um, we don't go around and, and make sure that everyone uh, has professed Christ. We, we think that that's the parents' and grandparents' responsibility. So take charge of your families. If your child has made a public profession of faith in Christ, let serve them communion today. Uh, if they haven't, then uh, don't. Um, but scripture tells us in Matthew chapter 26 that Jesus had gathered with his disciples to celebrate the Passover meal. And these are the verses in verse 26. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink it, all of you. For this is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Uh, we're going to bless uh, the bread and we will pass out the communion. They come in communion cups. The bread will be on top and the juice below. We will take it together. Uh, so as we're passing it out, uh, you can spend time in prayer uh, again. Um, my prayer uh, is going to be today that God will put more people in my path this week that I can share the gospel with. Uh, I know we talked about that last week, and that happened this week, didn't it? Uh, for sure, uh, for several of us. So, um, And this is a time to remember the love that Jesus gave for you. It's also a time to look forward to him coming back. Because when he comes back, oh man, for all eternity it's going to be perfect. No crying, no sickness, no death. It's going to be perfect. And I can't wait. I literally can't wait. I hope it's this afternoon before the Super Bowl. <laughs> I had to add that. Uh, but that's what we should look forward to, guys. It's an exciting time, a time to worship and love. And uh, so I'm going to ask Max Hartman if he would bless the bread this morning. Remembering uh, the price, the sacrificial love you had for us by giving your body 
and that's represented by the bread. And you said you are the bread of life, and we have life through you. And so we just pray that uh, this solemn time we could remember and look forward to seeing you again, as our pastor said. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Jesus said, this is my body, which is given for you. Take ye and eat. And he took a cup and he gave thanks. Josh, would you please bless the cup? Dear Holy God, we come before you now humbly, thanking you for the sacrifice that you made that allows us to approach your throne and surround this table. 
thank you for the blood that you spilled and in paying for our sins and, and making that sacrifice for us. Help us to fully glorify you in all that we do here around this table. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Take ye and drink. I think sometimes we look at this time as a sad time, and it's not, because they went out rejoicing after this. Jesus had told them he was going to die for them, and they went out rejoicing. And we should be rejoicing today with thankfulness and joy that he was willing to die for us, because without that, we're dead in our sins. Without him, it's meaningless. We're dead in our sins. Um, I encourage you today, before we close with song, scripture says they went out singing, we'll close in song. I, I encourage you today, there's a lot of people here today that didn't take communion for whatever reasons. Uh, a lot of kids, a lot of grandkids. Most important responsibility we have, most important responsibility I have is to show the gospel with my family. Before this congregation, I have to share the gospel with my family. If I, I've said this before, but if I'm more worried about someone else's salvation than my kids and I neglect my kids in that, it'd be sinful of me to do that. God made me a father of my family first. So I encourage you. Maybe you're here this morning, you're sharing the gospel with your kids. Uh, I encourage you to send the elders a note so we can pray for you on that. Um, it, when, when, I, when Selena and I were sharing the gospel with our kids, uh, one in particular, it took months and months of tears and uh, every day talking to them about Christ. And not forcing, just asking questions and getting answers and having a dialogue. Uh, and I had people pray, and these guys prayed for that. They knew we were doing that, and they were praying for us. If you're doing that, we want to pray for you. So send us, uh, send us a message. Send me a message and say, hey, I'm sharing the gospel with this person in my life. Would you pray for this? And we'll pray for that on Sunday mornings. Won't go to the whole congregation, but we'll pray for you, okay? Uh, maybe you're here and you're like, I just don't know what I need to say to my kids. You need to come talk to one of us. You need to come talk to us uh, and, and that we can help you uh, in, in talking to your children about um, the Lord Jesus. And I think the most important thing, and I'm, I'm not going to preach another sermon, but the most important thing is what I live out, what I, the way I do here on Sunday, I better be living out Monday through Saturday. Because kids will see right through it if I'm not. So I want to live out my life outside of here. Same guy that takes this pulpit better be the same guy that they interact with at home. It's not always the same guy. Selena slaps me upside the head when it's not. But we have to be determined to do that. So let's, let's close. It's a joyous time. Share the gospel with your families, with your neighbors. It's what changes someone's life. Let's close with a joyful singing, Wes as we close this morning. If you would stand. We sing Amazing Grace. <clears throat> Amazing Grace How sweet the sound That saved a wretch like me
my head cold, I'm not going to shake hands today, but just know I'm all giving you guys a big hug and shaking your hands. So you have a blessed day. Love you guys. Good luck tonight at 530. Go Chiefs, Alan says. <laughs>